time for our second hour roundtable on America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. More talking truth about America. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm so glad you've tuned in. You know, I'll say again, this topic that we were dancing around the first hour, it really is something I probably should do a two-hour show just on because it seemed it felt a little jumpy to me tonight, and I think that there's so much to understand about the importance of what is happening, the effort of the media and the left to uh, you know, deflect attention from the real serious concerns about whether or not very high people in, the, um, in their national security uh, operation and uh, perhaps all the way to the president were, were actually interfering with um, – we're using our national security, our taxpayer-funded security officials and capacity to spy on a political enemy, which um, it appears from what Nunes has been saying. We're going to go back to that topic after this. But on a new topic, I want to turn to my top-of-the-hour right view roundtable question. Uh, and again, I have this is my millennial roundtable, first of uh, the Sunday of the month. I'm so glad I have Ali Bestucki and Nick Pitts here. And here's a question. You each get about two minutes. Here's a question. So Vice President Mike Pence, uh, the story came up, even though it was said several years ago, it became newsworthy again this week, will not eat dinner alone with any woman but his wife. That's a policy they have. And, and so Twitter went crazy and all sorts of mockery from the left, even some from the right. And um, I just, I mean, I've heard that we were talking about in the break here in different contexts in life. But so I, I don't know, Ali Beth, you want to go first? What do you think about that? Is Pence, is that outdated or smart or what? Um, I think he's basically just respecting his wife. And if that's something that you want to criticize him for, then by all means, go after him. I just think it's comical that this is the worst thing that liberals could come up with, that he respects his wife too much. And this is um, this has to do with a phrase that I think is completely lost in today's society, and it's above reproach. That's what he's doing. He is not not sitting down with a woman over a meal because he can't control himself. He's not sitting down with a woman over a meal because he can't control what other people say. He's just safeguarding himself. It's not because he's misogynistic. It's not because he doesn't like women or doesn't want them to be successful or even to get them close into his inner circle. I think he's just protecting his reputation and this whole firestorm on Twitter of over the reaction of, of what he said back in 2002 is evidence of that that they will take one small thing and they'll blow it out of proportion so i think he's very wise he's very respectful the left just has no idea what integrity honesty or honor is whoa whoa if the mic wasn't (laughs) like in here the mic would have been dropped just then that's just what happened right now that was like a hot take that was good. That was it's excellent. True. That was so, good. It's true. Okay. Nick okay. Here okay, we go. Nick, let's get the white male's perspective. What everyone <laughs> loves to hear. Oh, okay. I feel so diminished right now. Um, well, I don't know. Would Mike Pence even be in this room right now? Because there's just two women in this room. Is that? No, I don't okay. know. Do you okay. feel uncomfortable? I don't know. I don't feel uncomfortable. Well, I feel uncomfortable after that hot day. Gosh, how do I follow <laughs> that? Seriously. Okay. So I come from a seminary background. And so, Ali Beth, what you said is correct. There's just this understanding you want to be above reproach. It's not necessarily that he can't control himself he just can't control others narratives and and it kind of stems back from billy graham's rule back in the 1950s where graham said that i won't even go into an elevator with a woman um that he unplugged tvs when he went into hotel rooms all because he just didn't want to tempt himself flee from temptation flee from potiphar's wife in genesis and kind of the biblical narrative 
But what I think is so interesting is just the changing dynamics from Billy Graham's time to our time today. So Billy Graham's time, we'll go to the 1970s, for example, just on research that I did beforehand. Only the workforce consisted of 34% of women made up the workforce. Today, or at least back in 2006, that number has jumped to 44%. So there's a sizable more uh, a sizable amount of women that are making up the workforce today. That again, there needs to it needs to be an equitable workforce. There needs to be equal pay. There needs to be equal opportunity. Just out of the Washington Post earlier today, there was a Kathleen Vaught uh, came out and she worked for Mike Pence. Said that he was very much an equitable man. She didn't feel uh, uh, denigrated when she was working from him. She felt that it was fair. And so I understand Mike Pence not wanting to eat with another woman. But I also think if he is going to conduct business with men over dinner. He needs to make sure that women have that opportunity as well to be able to um, to be able to have to conduct business outside of the business context, outside the four uh, walls of the uh, of the office. So I wonder if his rule would mean if he had four or five men with him at dinner, could he have a woman then because it wouldn't be just him alone with one woman? I mean, I think he might be okay with that. I, I think it would be. I think it would be yeah. OK with that. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, it's a really interesting thing. Um, because especially in politics, you know, you talked about Ali Bethy's expression above reproach, the media lives and breathes to find something sinister or salacious to say about politicians. So if I were, you know, a, a member of Congress and I had to fire a higher chief of staff and I was always going to be working late in the office, I probably want a woman there, even though I, I you know, I'm happily married and always have been and, and not worried about that. But I, I think the ability of the of your political enemies, of the media to create speculation, it is just magnified in Washington, magnified for politicians. It's very hard. We have 10 seconds left. Where does the time go when you're having fun? So I understand Pence. I think he's smart, but I want women to have it. So maybe we'll wrap the, We'll talk about this again when we come back from the break. Mm-hmm. This is Debbie George Jasmine, Right View Roundtable. Joining me tonight, Ali Bestucky, Nick Pitts. Don't go away. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Hi, this is Debbie Georgiatis. I want to tell you why I do this radio show, America Can We Talk?, 
In my life, I've been a full-time attorney, a wife, and a stay-at-home mom, a volunteer at our kids' schools and sports teams, and a political activist. I've been active in many political campaigns, organizations, and events, from the grassroots level to elected leadership roles, and from volunteer to paid consultant. One theme that runs through my life since my days of majoring in political science in college has been a continually growing admiration for the idea of America. And that gets me to why I do this show. America is the most important political idea in the world. Everything good and great about America is the result of these ideas of America. Things like the rule of law, limited power in the federal government, separation of powers, protection of individual rights of each citizen. So on my show, we talk about the events and stories of the day, always tied back to preserving the ideas of America. The National Center for Policy Analysis brings together the best and brightest minds to tackle the country's most difficult public policy problems in health care, taxes, retirement, education, energy, and now national security. The NCPA works to develop and promote private free market alternatives to government regulation and control, solving problems by relying on the strength of competition and the private sector. As America's think tank, the NCPA wants to make sure you have access to simple, clear solutions to the issues that matter to you. Come get to know the NCPA at one of their events and join the conversation by following them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. To get policy solutions delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for the NCPA free email newsletter or subscribe to one of their policy blogs. To get involved with America's Think Tank, go online today to ncpa.org. The NCPA would love your support and you'll love being part of the solutions to America's challenges. So go to ncpa.org. That's ncpa.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Welcome back. This is Debbie Georgiatis, and I'm first Sunday of the month, Right View Roundtable, my Millennial Roundtable, Nick Pitts and Allie Beth Sucky. Okay, so we're talking before the break about this Mike Pence thing, and I want to go back to a couple other quick points. You know, I think, I mean, I'm a lawyer, and I'm well aware, you know, worked at a law firm, mostly male lawyers, mostly male partners, and you do, you want so much to be accepted, and there's, there is a sense that, and I think even still today in politics, there's a sense of the good old boy network, and you're kind of the girl trying to, and, and it happens in many arenas in politics. So I could, in, in life, and I can imagine people saying, gee, you know, he's just setting up another barrier. You can't even have dinner with him, and how do you have these kind of conversations? On the other hand, you know, 
the last thing you want is some distraction in your marriage about rumors in the newspaper, distraction for your spouse. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't want my husband worried about newspaper stories, and he wouldn't. I mean, we need we. We want that protection of each other. We want to protect each other from having any. So it's a very tough thing. I, I just thought it was handled so in such a juvenile manner by so many people instead of an intelligent discussion like this. Yeah, I, I think what was so interesting about it, too, is like what you said, the, the level of rancor and the type of conversation just degraded so quickly around this. And I think it points to a larger issue of just how foreign the understanding of a Christian mentality of marriage is to the larger public, which I think is just very unfortunate. Um, that we've just departed so far away from just this idea of protecting our marriages that it just devolves into this rancor. Yeah, because I think marriage is largely based on to secular society on how you feel. This idea of discipline and putting up safeguards and not doing certain things and doing certain things is just kind of foreign because it's more about, oh, whatever make you, makes you feel good or whatever makes you happy, not whatever makes you holy. And I think that I, I know we're kind of giving Mike Pence the benefit of the doubt by saying this, but if he is someone that works that hard to protect his marriage, I would have to think that he chooses to be that deferential um, and that safe within with his professional life as well. And so I have a hard time imagining that Mike Pence would let a good old boy cozy up with him and convince him to give him some promotion that a girl who earned it wouldn't get just because he was able to have cigars and a glass of wine with him. And I know that that's not a benefit of the doubt that the left is going to give him. Um, but like you said, it went to this level of hysteria that, that wasn't even founded in reality anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was. They were they were analogizing to Sharia. Oh, this is like a Sharia limitation. Do you or, really or want to talk about himself. Sharia? Yeah, when you, really. You have, you have a feminist who just got deported back to Jordan because she used to be a terrorist. Do you want to talk about Thank Sharia? God. I don't right. think so. She's gone. Uh, well, thing you alluded to and i meant to mention that but this article that was as actually in the washington post with mary vaught this is a woman who has her own business she has she's president of vaught strategies llc she's been a, the press secretary for the house republican conference under then chairman mike pence she obviously and she said her article was i wasn't held back at all it's like she was adult enough to be a professional to be competent she has her own business now and 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 to Speak about this in an adult way that you can you can have still um, practices or things that you honor in your professional life. And it doesn't mean women are held back and have to stay home, be barefoot, pregnant in the kitchen. I mean, you can be out there in the working world. And, and I mean, just I, I don't know. I, I was glad that she wrote that. And I um, and I, I kind of like the whole idea, as you're alluding to. I like the idea of reintroducing marriage is a pretty darn important thing. It's pretty nice to protect it. I mean, I, I, what you see out of uh, University of Virginia, Bradley Wilcox has done a lot of research on where marriages are flourishing and where marriages are present. Communities end up thriving. And so I think it's important for us to be able to see the beneficial nature of marriages in today's world and that inevitably point to less poverty, that point to less less need for government services, that point to uh, childhood education uh, continuing to flourish as well, where there's higher graduation rates, where, where marriage, where divorce is less uh, relevant. I think marriage is a positive good that we need to get back to regardless of your faith tradition. And I'm going to say something really radical. Okay. You go, I'm going to say Uh-oh. that all women benefit from husbands loving their wives. <laughs> all women benefit from that. Society, like you said, benefits from that. 
And society is stronger when men are stronger and when men are better leaders. Women are then free to be good leaders and to be strong. It's not by usurping men and trying to weaken them and calling them misogynists, whether they say something crazy like Donald Trump did or whether they just respect their wives. That's not how women become strong. Women become strong by encouraging men to be strong leaders. I know that's totally outdated, but I mm. said it. No, I said no, it. I, I love that. I love that. And there's always this kind of in the feminist realm or approach to life. It's like somehow to get equality, we have to diminish men. And that's what you're getting at. You have to diminish men. You have to uh, feminize them. You have to do something versus just recognizing strong men make life better. They make women better. A strong man does not want a docile. It doesn't mean you have to have a docile, submissive wife. It can mean you have a great equality. So anyway, well, I, yay for Mike Pence for sticking up for marriage. And um, he's not going to end up like some politicians. At least he's not going to have his name in the paper with allusions to, well, it was a dark restaurant, kind of late. The two were right. sitting there. That's not going to happen to him, and that's a good thing. Okay, I want to turn, though, and tell you something, ask you about something else, too. So I used to practice law in California, and I remember this law because I did labor and employment litigation, represented businesses dealing with labor issues. <laughs> I remember more than one client saying, couldn't we just, like, run a tape recording, and then we can find out, you know, we can hear what the really— And the truth is in California, and I, I haven't read the law recently, but when I was practicing law in California, it was illegal to tape record a conversation— unless both people agreed in the context where they assume there was privacy. If, you know, a, I mean, if you're in a public place, it was different. But if the assumption of privacy, uh, a confidential conversation, it was illegal. And I, that was kind of a good thing, although I, I came across circumstances that would have loved to tape record, you know, what <laughs> someone was really saying. When, but uh, so this case came up. This is so interesting, and it goes in many directions. But um, there is a uh, – there have been 15 felony well, as in big charges, uh, filed by California Attorney General Xavier Becerra, Becerra, I don't know how to say, whatever it is, uh, leveled at two active journalists, the ones who got the behind-the-scenes recordings of Planned Parenthood people who were acknowledging that they do indeed negotiate and barter over baby parts, baby body parts, after they've done abortions and they sell them and they, they try to get good quality uh, and the whole point was to expose to the world that Planned Parenthood really does barter and and you know traffic in baby body parts so these people are being prosecuted in California interestingly even the LA Times is almost always on the side of the American left kind of said I don't know about this chart I mean because with the really in part their concern was what about journalists I mean how do you ever do investigative reporting if you can never do undercover recording when they don't know what you're doing so what do you guys think about that and that's what these people are. I mean, I guess they're essentially not not journalists. David Delighton is a whistleblower is what we would call them. And the left loves whistleblowers when they align with their agenda. If you remember Chelsea Manning, the transgender soldier who leaked information to WikiLeaks, they said, oh, she shouldn't be persecuted. She's such a whistleblower. She didn't do anything wrong. Fact of the matter is, she's a traitor. David Delighton, all he did was shed light on the hypocrisy and the lies and the evil that is Planned Parenthood, what we already know. And now they have all these investigations that have apparently happened since 2015, saying, oh, look at these dozens of Planned Parenthoods that, you know, don't barter for baby parts. Well, that doesn't change the fact that he recorded a conversation and we saw some pretty inconvenient truth there. And they also <laughs> say that it was deceptively edited. I'm like, you can only edit so much. I mean, they, they either said, said it or they didn't. They either yeah. said it or they didn't. Yeah. So um, or do you glorify whistleblowers or are they criminals? Are they only whistleblowers when they align with your agenda? With the left wing? Yeah. Right. And so 
you know, the legality of this, that's that's one thing. I, I'm not a law scholar by any means. Of course, if they did something illegal, then they should be prosecuted. But uh, at the same time, I think the criminalization of them and invalidating them just because they expose something that you don't agree with, it's it's just not right. It's illogical. Yeah, it's a, it's a reality TV show that Americans don't like to watch, right? And so what they've done, Center for Medical Progress, is really shed light on just a, like a, just a very heinous crime. But that's not only just a heinous crime. It's just an atrocious act against humanity. And what we continue to see is just this confirmation bias that's just entrenched the left um, in the sense that— What is I, confirmation bias? Tara, listen uh, to what that okay, is. Okay, so it's uh, confirmation bias is understanding something, uh, you having a previous conception of an idea, and then despite the facts that counteract that particular point— uh, you still hold to your ideas, though they though you know them to be false now. So the facts, yeah, the facts you know the don't facts matter. Don't yeah, match. So, so yeah. Flannery O'Connor has this saying that says that truth doesn't change according to our ability to stomach it. And so what we're seeing from the left <laughs> yeah. is just this sense that they're just puking up this understanding of truth right now, all in an effort to be able to hold to their opinions. And unfortunately, their opinions have caused millions upon millions of babies just to die and not have a chance for life, liberty, or the pursuit of happiness. And what we continue to see is that we've just got to, we must continue to expose what Planned Parenthood's doing, but also on the flip side to be able to highlight some of the efforts that are being made by other institutions as other local pregnancy centers in order that they might be able to show that Planned Parenthood can go away if we can still handle what they're doing yeah. outside of the abortion component. Yeah. You know, I think part of what the, why these Planned Parenthood undercover videos bother the left so much is because... People for the longest time have thought of abortion. I only have 10 seconds here. Don't start playing music. I can see the clock. 10 seconds. Okay. Um, is that we, people have gotten comfortable talking about abortion as just, you know, it's a bunch of cells. It's just a, and so when you start to realize, no, it's, it has parts. It actually has a, a heart and a liver and a brain. All of a sudden it destroys that left-wing picture. And this is what really bothers the left. Don't go away. Be right back. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties. And in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. 
American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are tens of thousands of Heritage members and supporters in North Texas alone. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates on the fight for America from Heritage President Jim DeMint, plus exclusive invitations to conservative events right here in Dallas or wherever you are in America. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I have my millennial first Sunday of the month, millennial right view round table. And I have Allie Beth, Sucky, and Nick Pitts. And so we have the discussion we always have off the air of which topics, because we always have more topics of time than time. You know, um, on this one about California, I do really, it's funny because I'm getting mad at the media. I have a little tiny bit of problem where everyone's argument is just, well, yes, yeah, you shouldn't record things. Um, you know, without permission. It's against the law in California. But, you know, if it's an investigative reporter, it's okay. Because investigative reporters are pretty much, I mean, you know, they they can contort things. They can do bad things. And and so we don't see enough investigative reporting on the good guy's side, you know, on the the side of conservatism and life. So these guys try to do the good thing. And anyway, I I mean, I guess the bottom line is I, I hope they will just not be prosecuted. I hope it's kind of a stunt. I think it's actually not... It does not appear the recordings they did, there was a reasonable expectation of privacy. It wasn't a confidential setting. And so, therefore, the statute doesn't even apply. Mm-hmm. But the larger thing, I think, is all of this is really, as we were talking about before the break, is really causing people to um, this whole 
Planned Parenthood um, recording of people and recognizing they actually are selling baby body parts is causing people to go, wow, I didn't really think it was a baby. It makes you rethink if you have been pro-choice, you know, what what are you really standing for? And then Allie Beth had something she was going to tell about, I think. Uh, oh, I was just going to talk about the other video that the Center for Medical Progress, that's what it's called, David Delighton's um, organization, they were the ones who in 2015 let out this video, and now they've let out this other video of um, a doctor at Planned Parenthood who was just laughing and casually in a lighthearted manner um, talking about how um, given an abortion, she has to be really careful when the baby actually comes out if it does show signs of life to kind of shield her staff in the room from that just because it could hurt their feelings or make them upset. And she said she doesn't care about her feelings, but sometimes it happens, and it's always kind of um, – disconcerting when the child comes out as a baby right it's like all of a sudden this clump of cells transformed into this baby when it hit air it's so weird um and so she's talking about that and she was talking about how giving an abortion a really good abortion she's really got to work out it's all in the biceps and she's just talking about it like it's you know okay to be clear she's talking about biceps because she wants her arms strong strong enough to make sure the baby doesn't survive the abortion process right right to be able to murder the child let's let's just call it for what it is and if anything if we just look at the thirty thousand foot view this continues just to show how divided we are over this particular issue one side laughs about it talks about it at restaurants and is willing to talk about the selling of baby parts and the aborting children over lunch. The other side is just appalled at this, as they should be, because of the murdering of children. And now when the light is exposed to this with the investigative reporting, the left is being able to see the hypocrisy of this, but also to see how wrong this is, hence the reason why they're fighting to keep this silently by. It's just, it's disgusting and we just need to move forward from it. They want to shut down this kind of investigative reporting. They want to make other, David, Delighton's, I don't know how to say his name, uh, you know, make other people like him think, I, I don't dare do this. I better not do this because I don't want to get prosecuted. It's it's, a, it's an intimidation thing. You know, Absolutely. To, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, that um, I, I, I love that people want to do things like that. And I actually do think that even in California, I'm going to be surprised if, if they go forward with an actual prosecution. I think it's just a frightening them thing, but maybe they will. And um, I, I I just guess we'll keep an eye on that case. Okay. I want to turn and talk about this thing, though, because, you know, we talk about college campuses so often in the show. And we have there's great organizations trying to stand up for basic, um, you know, free speech on campuses, not just free speech for the um, liberal side, but for everybody. And there was just this thing. And I, I was astonished by the story. So Tucker Carlson, who has a really good show on Fox, I think it's just called Tucker Carlson Show. Anyway, he's very good. So he interviewed this professor from Drexel uh, who had actually, it was, which is a Pennsylvania college. He had tweeted out, the professor at a college tweeted out that he was on an airplane and he saw some nice person stand up and give their first class seat to an American serviceman who came on, on the plane you know, in uniform. So you could tell this guy was in the, in the military. So the professor tweeted out that seeing someone, an airline passenger, volunteer a seat to the military, um, he had to try not to vomit. He was so disgusted. So I, I, Tucker Carlson, I mean, this is the same professor, by the way, who tweeted out near Christmas time something about white genocide. I'm sorry, something about, you know, trying to punish the white supremacists. But he got off on something about uh, supporting white genocide. Um, he uh, he claimed it was satire, but he said... Um, well, the the tweet at the house was 
about the airline seat. People are thanking him. I'm trying not to vomit or yell about Mosul. And then he also ended up um, making a previous tweet about supporting white genocide. So the guy's like crazy. But the thing I found so so um, first of all, you can any commentary on Drexel before I. Oh yeah, I think this just continues to show how far removed we are uh, from the American military personnel that we would be able to offer these type of comments, right? If we look, if we look through history, we look back at the '70s, look back to today. The number of indiv- there is more degrees of separation from our military personnel, hence the reason why we're able to be able to say these types of things, to just to disrespect them. This soldier fights and he's willing to die in order that this professor might have this freedom of speech. And how does this professor yeah. repay for it? He says those type of comments, which is just despicable. And the- I think. And the funny thing is, is that that he on Tucker Carlson, he said that people were harassing him on Twitter just because he expressed his First Amendment rights. I'm like, really? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> really? Are we are we that sensitive? But we're going to say that we vomit over someone giving up their seat. You were offended by that. But other people aren't allowed to be offended by something you say. And he wasn't even asked to give up his own seat. He's just commenting on someone else's kindness. He's just so hostile to the military that anyone being nice to someone in the military. But the funny thing I was just telling um, uh, both Nick and I, Beth, before we came back on was, so on this Tucker Carlson interview, he said to this Drexel professor something about, well, did you notice what happened to Charles Murray at Middlebury? And Charles Murray, you know, brilliant American author and, you know, numerous books. And he was going to speak at Middlebury recently. And he was, uh, the, had the big protest happened. He couldn't end up speaking. And I think he was actually knocked to the ground once. I mean, he really attacked. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't want to let him talk. And then on top of that, um, he went and had the same thing happen it's a Catholic school in Pennsylvania. But anyway, the point is, so Tucker Carlson said, so what would you think about that? I mean, don't you think that's really terrible that Charles Murray didn't get to speak when he was invited? And he goes, well, Charles Murray, um, he's a KKK guy. He burns crosses. And you should have seen Tucker Carlson's face. It's kind of a funny anyway, but he's like, yeah, he did that. Tucker Carlson like, what? <laughs> he goes, oh, yeah, Charles Murray, the famous author, Charles Murray, the bell curve, all these, you know, uh, he, he writes really insightful sociological things. And Char- Tucker Carlson keeps going, what are you even talking about? He goes, oh, yeah. See, and the professor just dripping with disdain to Charles Murray, to uh, Tucker Carlson said, you, you know, you think you're so smart, you can't even Google. Just Google. Just look it up. Charles Murray, KKK. So I'm sitting there in front of my computer <laughs> Googling that. Okay, there's some, you know, evil human being who, who formed a KKK group in Alabama or someplace whose name is Chuck Murray. And part of what he did was burn crosses. And at the end, it said Chuck Murray, you know, a.k.a. Charles Murray. So his name really is Charles Murray. So I'm thinking, so you can tell me what you think. Does the Drexel professor actually think that that story was the Charles Murray who writes books? I I mean, seriously. I I think this is kind of like a Nancy Pelosi type thing where you hear one thing and then you say something ridiculous and hyperbolic to the masses just to get them worked up. I think that's exactly what he's doing. So he knew it wasn't a real charge. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Would he really have the audacity to sit in front of Tucker Carlson and say, wow, you're so stupid for not knowing how to use Google. And then he obviously doesn't know how to use Google. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that he doesn't want to let the facts get in the way of his opinion. Right. And so, yes. so what do you, what do you, in a shocking twist, an academic professor is showing a bit of haughtiness, which is surprises every single college oh student. God. Don't get that way. <laughs> now that you're a doctor, Nick, don't surprise, get that. Arrogant. Okay. If you insist, if you insist, um, go ahead, go, go ahead. 
I was like, I mean, I just thought the whole story was just, it's a, first of all, a sad commentary on colleges. His college, by the way, Drexel did issue an apology about his white supremacy, his white genocide tweet. I don't have mm-hmm. it in front of me, but, but he said something there. really bad about, you know, advocating for white genocide to make up for white supremacism, I think, or something like that. And they apologize. But, you know, you think about what it says about our culture, that he didn't lose his job the next day. I mean, they didn't say, you know what, actually, we, we don't talk about killing. We, we don't advocate that. I mean, they just, it's somehow we, we have these academics who can say anything, and somehow we honor it because, after all, they're professors. I mean, the kind of stuff that a kid should get kicked out of college for saying, and a professor. Yeah, yeah. I think that there has to be a difference, right, between this type of free speech that's used in order to be able to try to try to figure out ideas and try to figure out what's true, but then there's other types of free speech that's just vitriolic in nature and that needs to be disposed of. And I got to say, this guy can't use Google. That's his problem. That's his problem. You know, we have to go break in 20 seconds. I'm going to use this moment right now to thank the sponsor for this show, without whom I could not do it. GC Works. It's a Dallas-based company. They perform research in advanced technology and deliver innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. I am very grateful for GC Works. Just love doing this show every week. We have one more segment. Don't go away. faces a choice the path of big government based out of washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in texas for 27 years the texas public policy foundation has helped leaders in the lone star state prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all the texas public policy foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty free enterprise and personal responsibility whether informing the national debate on property rights, energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. Hi, this is Debbie Georgiatis. On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility when politicians propose solutions to understand, will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it? We have to vote once we are informed about the issues. But even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Georgiatis on America Can We Talk. 
There is a lot of talk today among media, in academia, in our culture, about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son Mark Allen Lee had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk? My right view roundtable happily in this first Sunday of the month is Milan Millennials, Nick Pitts, and Ali Bessucki. So we started the show talking a little bit about, or maybe talking a lot, um, about what's happening in Washington with um, uh, the investigation into whether or not the Obama administration was actually spying on uh, political enemies. And I want to uh, draw your attention to a couple of things. Devin Nunes, who is the Republican chair of the House Intelligence Committee, is being vilified. In fact, some writers I normally like have come out saying he should step down, um, and but many people are saying he should not. But I guess the first point I want to make is it is almost impossible to overstate the level of determination the American left has, the Democrat Party, the leaders of the American left and their allies in the media— to destroy Donald Trump. His victory was such a shock to them, and I think to many on the left, whether they did or didn't like Hillary, they trusted she would continue on the leftward track for America. She would continue to weaken America militarily. She would continue to abandon the border. She would continue to grow the power of Washington's government. She would expand the health care thing into single payer. She would simply move our country further along towards socialism further along government-controlled society, and they were all on that path with her. And by that, I mean ABC, NBC, CBS, Washington Post, New York Times, L.A. Times, most of the major MSNBC is in a league of their own and being far on the left. And this victory by Trump did not just upset 
the left. It upset them very much, and they're still fighting it, but also upset a lot in the GOP establishment and the Republicans in Washington who'd gotten pretty comfortable playing along with the Democrat playbook, doing a little bit of fighting on some issues and coming back to their constituents and saying, hey, you know, um, we're, we're fighting. Don't worry. I'm right with you. We're, we're for free markets. We're for, you know, we're, tra- we're for, for repealing Obamacare. We're for all these good things. And they never really had to follow through on those promises because they were the minority party. Well, now Republicans have the House, the Senate, and the White House, and President Trump has laid out an agenda which really will, in many important ways, upset the apple cart of the, and people call it the uniparty in Washington. The Democrats and Republicans have gotten very comfy and cozy in Washington you know, working together, they have massive uh, contributions from lobbyists and relationships with lobbyists and relationships with industries. So the whole feel in Washington has been perpetuated for a long time. And Donald Trump, if he were to follow through on things he said in his campaign, is is just blowing up the, the, the whole system. And so it's not just the Democrats and the mainstream echo chamber and the media, but it is also the Republicans in Washington So what's happening in Washington is that the people who are upset about Donald Trump's victory, where they want to find a way to to establish, to just slither in, get enough uh, doubt set in the minds of moderate Republicans, of spineless Republicans, who will start to go along with their agenda, their goals, their, yeah, you know, Trump probably is a problem, and, and leave Trump with no allies, nowhere to go, no safety. And so... Back to this issue with respect to whether or not the Obama administration was engaging in surveillance of the Trump team. It was even uh, prior to the um, his actually winning the nomination and most certainly after he won the nomination and the federal laws that would have been violated if that had occurred. The unmasking of names, so it's exposing the names of people helping Trump and then sharing those names of people on Capitol Hill, leaking them out to the media. This is not random and disconnected this is it's not that they all sat down one day with a big conspiracy theory and and came up with a big plan but the the depth of anger and hatred and and frustration the left feels is, is just through the roof and so this is one vehicle they think they have to diminish donald trump so now we'll go back to what nunes actually talked about and i want to be sure we it's very very clear what chairman nunes was saying he's saying he has seen proof that the Obama White House surveilled the incoming administration on subjects that had nothing to do with Russia, that it further unmasked, which means identified by name, the transition officials involved in these conversations. It's not just a scandal. It is a crime. These, these actions are a crime. And in particular, what Nunes said in his conference, in his press conference that has sent uh, Democrat chairman, uh, Vice Chairman Schiff through the roof, there were dozens of documents. Nunes got contacted. He went to the White House in this—, in this uh, actually, it wasn't the White House, but a building nearby where he read these documents. There were dozens of documents with information about Trump officials. The information those documents contained was not related to Russia. Many reports—well, some reports did mask identities, like saying, you know, person one, person two. They were written in ways that made very clear that Trump officials were being discussed— in at least one instance, the Trump official, other than Flynn, was outright unmasked, and these documents were circulated at the highest levels of government. You recall we, a few weeks ago we talked about President Obama, just prior to his departure from the White House, changed the rules so that 
prior to the security protocol attaching to this information, it was spread to all 17 federal agencies that deal with security. So it seems very clear that Trump, that that Team Obama was spying on the incoming administration. This is devastating if people could ever capture what was happening. It's devastating the Democrat Party, and it's why— Vice Chairman Schiff, I don't even know if that's his real title, whatever he's supposed to be called, the Democrat on the, you know, the head of the Democrat in the committee, Adam Schiff, is just blustering about nothing. He's blustering about, but, but what about the squirrel? But what about, he's, he's talking about, you know, well, we think, we, he's been saying for months, we, we think we're right on the edge of having something about Russia and Trump. There's nothing there, folks. The Democrats have been trying to tell their people, hey, don't worry about that. I mean, I mean, drop that. There's nothing there. But all the furor they're creating about where they met and who they talked to. Did, why didn't Nunes tell me first? Why did he do this? Nunes has followed all the rules he had to follow. He hasn't broken any laws. What he was doing in his sequencing is protecting against the possibility that if he were to tell Schiff and the other Democrats in the committee what he read, what they would do to diminish and destroy the people who are trying to get the truth out that, that are giving Nunes information. So this couldn't be a bigger story, and it's, it's important to follow the real thing. And if you're one of the people who's like, I heard in the morning news, I think they're just talking about Russia and Trump. Understand you're being duped. you got to read the real stuff. I couldn't agree more. And so here, here's where I, I'm going to draw the interesting parallel, okay? So you have to follow me a little bit. This is very similar to the Bill Clinton, uh, his in the genesis of Bill Clinton's uh, campaign, or rather his election, or his administration. Communication was such a difficult thing for him because he had vi- various different storylines going everywhere. And it was important for Bill Clinton to bring on a David Gergen type to be able to control the communication. What the Trump administration needs is an individual to come in and to bring clarity as well as a singular line relative to communication in order to be able to get to the bottom of this one and to be able for the media to be able to report this. We know that Trump has the power just be simply by his Twitter. It's going to be important for him to focus that power in order to be able to communicate a clear message moving forward. I love that he has. Trump has tweeted out. And by the way, I mentioned all these protocols. There's this um, intelligence gang of eight defined in federal law who within the Congress and Senate is permitted to see, uh, you know, high level security things. And they are the Republican and Democrat um, leaders of the Intelligence Committee in the House. Same for the Senate. And then it is the Republican. You know, it's the, the leaders of the Senate in the House, one Republican, one Democrat, both sides. So it's those eight people. Trump has invited them to the White House. This is another reason I think, I'm sure, Trump has got them on this. He wouldn't be inviting them if he already knew the answer that once they see this, they don't have an answer. In fact, Schiff tried to avoid going. He, like, I was like 10 days out. He, he was invited to go. He wouldn't go look at it. Because what's he going to say then? He, it takes away his major talking point. Yeah, absolutely. I just think this, the irony of of this is that it's probably going to blow up in their face so much more than it's going to blow up in Republicans' face. And I think they're starting to realize that, as you said, and they're backpedaling a little bit and they're just perpetuating their narrative as much as they can to create as much chaos as possible and to shield us all from the truth. And that can only work for so long. Um, But the media is going to have to help us out a little bit. Again, I think the media and both sides need to be more wedded to the truth than they are to any party. So if we can kind of strip away the partisanship of this, and say, okay, let's just get to the bottom of it. Let's just say what's real, what's true. Here are the facts. But we kind of seem unable to do that as, you know, a country and as the media. You know, on that point, we were talking uh, earlier today about how, you know, there was a um, time 
Time magazine cover a long time ago, Is God Dead? And there was something, and I don't get Time magazine, but I think there was a title recently, Is Truth, Truth Dead? Dead? It was basically the idea, to, to your point, Ali Beth, every, if everything is spin, you start to have, or to your point, you had the, you, the phrase you used about when you adjust everything to fit the view you already yeah. think. What was it again? Confirmation bias. Yeah, I knew that. Anyway, I did. I, I, anyway. I, the truth doesn't change based on your ability yeah. to stomach it. Yeah. yeah. Plenary Plenary O'Connor. O'Connor. But both those things, exactly. It is an, an amazing thing. We are in a place in America where, you know, if you are a Republican and you just want, you know, Trump to be right, I, I want truth to be right. I want the truth to come out. And in fact, I will say, if it turns out that there is somebody in the Trump administration or connected to him who paid money to the Russians to hack, then obviously that should be uncovered. That's a crime. It should be prosecuted. I don't want the truth hidden. But in this particular case, I think what's happened is Trump has the truth. He's got the stuff that shows, yes, Obama was spying on me. I do have it. I do have names. I do have the presidential daily briefings to go through. And it has to matter to both sides because if you lose, I think the bigger issue I keep going back to, but if you want a modern Western civilization, you have to have a sense of trust in the government, in the rule of law, in the sense of truth, and the elected officials are going to stand for truth. They're going to insist upon it. And I, it's very hard to see how this comes out. I was trying to ask Fred Flights earlier. I don't know what you do if the FBI says for the next four years we're going to keep investigating Trump and Russia, but there's nothing happening. There's nothing. I mean, how do you say, dang it, the truth has to come out, and the truth has to come out about this, which is far more important because if really what is what Nunes is revealing is true, which is Obama was apparently using the security forces to spy on his on his enemies or his his administration was. I mean, I mean that is a felony time way bigger than Watergate, way bigger than any any kind of uh, controversy of kind we've ever seen. Because you're kind of saying you've you you you've moved the government into the control by whoever won instead of the rule of law. So sadly, oh, he's playing music while I'm talking. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're almost out of time. Apparently, I want to thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk. I love my millennial right view roundtable. Thank you for joining me very thank much. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in. Come back next week because we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, Truth About America. America.